Okay. All right. Okay. Oh. Right. Let's go. Oh. Hi. This is for the girls. This is for the girls podcast. I'm Nick Westray. I'm Jason Black. Um, and this is just a podcast about fans and their femmes. It's a podcast about the ladies of entertainment and the LGBTQs who have been obsessed with them their entire lives. Yeah, sometimes Nick and I just uh, man the ship and it's just us fanning out about something. Something. Sometimes we have guests. This is our Halloween um, season. This is our Halloween... Specta- I mean, uh, I would call it a spectacular... Yes. And we only have one guest this whole wow. Halloween season. And we only have only one, one artist that we could think of to cover. The true only sorceress w- herself. Yeah, who is this a podcast for, Jason? Um, this is a podcast for when uh, you actually give your one-night stand leather or lace. This is a podcast <laughs> for all of you witches with a tambourine. <laughs> this is a podcast for you, Sarah. Welcome to the For the Girls room. <laughs> this is a podcast for wide-brimmed women. <laughs> this is this is a this is a podcast literally for my 20s and learning to stand back on the edge this of 17. A, <laughs> this is a podcast for all you folks who are just doing the best that they can. <laughs> This is a podcast for the coronavirus taking my youth. <laughs> the last this bits po- of my youth. <laughs> this is a podcast for the Sisters of the Moon. Uh, Did you see that she just said that? She was like, the pandemic she- has taken the last years of my youth at 72. I was like, live, Stevie, Nicks, live. Yes, she just said that yesterday. <laughs> yes, we're covering Stevie Nicks this week, right? The Grand High Sorceress, the White Witch herself. And who do we have as our fan, our guest today, Jay? We have Mark Snyder, a writer, Hi, Mark. a podcast hey, host guys. of All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Hmm, but that's not who we're talking not, about. That's not what we're talking What's about happening? today. What's happening? Honeys, How did this I happen? packed up my wild heart and I flew here on my white winged dove <laughs> all the way from the other side of the mirror, brought you a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, and I'm here to tell you about the trouble in Shangri-La. Oh, Get on the yes. floor, Gypsy, with that. <laughs> yes, babe. Oh, shit. I'm so happy to be here. I really am. This is, this is everything I want to do today. So what oh. is this? You have two divas? You don't have one diva, but you have two divas? Well, and I knew three? I was going to get asked this. I think that um, I'm <laughs> yeah. much more critical of our Madonna. I mean, I've been an active Madonna fan for 35 years, and I, I choose that. Um, and I'm much more critical. Um, Stevie Nicks is somebody that I love unconditionally and everything she does, everything she's done, everyone she's done. I love it all. That's so interesting. There's two different kinds of, two different kinds of fandom, you know, that you can have you, that with that just pure adoration of the one that just got almost a goddess like form. And Stevie Nicks is such a good person. It is so easy to worship. Oh, totally. She's the best um, uh, version of that kind of untouchable being above and yet so approachable and kind of um, normal at the same time, writing about things that we all feel. And I think that that's that's kind of one of her secrets. And I think with Madonna, you know, Nick and I, 
we're always attempting to do an album review, which is which sometimes eludes us. And I was like, oh, it's so yeah. easy if we wanted to do a Madonna album review because there is so much critical think pieces. Like every song mm-hmm. has a history that you can yeah. delve yeah. into and understand. She also follows um, currents of 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 um, trends and popular culture, so she evolves. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Stevie, even up into her last album, stays in a certain stays timeless in a certain well, way. I- and that's exactly what, I mean, she, she, she just released a song on Friday called, you know, Show Them the Way. And she refers again to being timeless. I mean, she is timeless in this way of she stays in the exact same mode and dress and she's writing about the same things over and over again. And yet she has managed to stay relevant. I think there's two differences between timelessness and relevancy because um, she's continued to stay updated and and kind of modern in this weird way. Um, I mean, Dave Grohl is on the is playing drums on this new song. <laughs> Do you know mm. what I mean? I mean, yeah. you know, Heim or her favorite band and and Harry Styles. So she's like I up love on it. She's really into Harry Styles. It was she was making me like reconsider a whole lot of things. Like I might have to listen to that album now. That's on yeah. Watermelon High is a hit. That's it's, a bop. That's I love that bop. song because I was like listening to it go, oh, it is kind of Lindsey Buckingham vibe. He's yeah. Got a, he's got a Lindsey vibe to it. But that it's new like, song is so random. Is so, I mean, like normally, you know, yeah. she's like, she's like, I'm going to paint a picture. I'm not ready for the fall, but I wear boots all summer long. It's like, what does that mean? I don't know. But this song, she's like, I'm literally singing for JF. K and yeah. I'm in a it's a really a she's like really is a story hardcore song where I'm like whoa this is like leaning in well she's in the Hamptons writing a song she's in the Hamptons dress, and then Martin Luther King comes in doesn't that happen to everybody I mean doesn't that happen to everybody I mean she sounds so rocky like it's such a rocky song and she's like she is in it, man. She is trying to show us the way. She's asking God to show us the way. And it's- Peace can come if you really want it. I had a fragile dream in a great house in the Hamptons. I'd been there before, singing songs and doing benefits. Just in a room alone, putting on my makeup. So many things that come to me. The dress came across the Persian carpet. As I fell into the dress, a thought came to me Into my heart, I have a dream And a door opened I turned to face the music I was ready for the Kennedys It's so steamy because it's like so tone deaf about the world (laughs) And at the same time, she's like Hey, we can all be peace, peace and love, and I, I mean it's 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 absurd, and yet the sincerity kind of grounds it in this in this sweetness that you, you so you can't kind of roll your eyes too much at it because it's so beautiful. Well, I and love she doesn't cause... live she doesn't live in this world. She doesn't no. live in this world. She lives on an uh, an astral plane that just kind of rides next <laughs> to the world, and she like pops in and visits us with advice every once in a while. Well, and she has no interest in this world either. I mean, she's very open about not wanting to to be a part of the current world. And yet she kind of is because she knows who Harry Styles is. And she, and she loves know. the show New Amsterdam on NBC. I, know. I just don't understand. It's so... 
It's but she's here's the thing is is that you know I was I was I was contemplating this morning about like listening to uh, her song Beauty and the Beast yeah, and yeah. and I was like gosh it's a gaggy song she's really asking like who's the beauty and who's the beast and <laughs> yeah. it's it's there is a place where it's like uh, like oh no like this is too much but she's so sincere and honest in her convictions that she sells everything for me believes in well and, and the grandeur of the orchestration like that song for example that closes uh 1983's wild heart and um and, and my favorite record, album Oop. really that's your favorite Oop. Oh, i know you didn't add it on your list so i was like let's have a diva down i've been really wanting diva battles on this podcast about? i love so wild i'm going heart. to do but it Wild Heart, what, what's so great about Wild Heart is Wild Heart's a record that has, she's trying all different kinds of styles. Belladonna feels like it was, those 10 songs feel like it was like hatched out of the ether, the way that a lot of Stevie's music does. And and Wild Heart, you can see she's trying synthy rock. She's mm. trying, you know, country. She's got that rockabilly enchanted song. She's got those moody, you know, Sable on Blonde, which is a mm. song that, that, you know, the fans just, we cream ourselves over. And then at the end of this song is this orchestral mightiness that is Beauty and the Beast. And it's so big and, you know, her emotions are so strong and so large and so bigger than life that she almost dares you to um denigrate her or or make fun of her and because you can't because it's so overwhelming It's her virtuosity. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a there's an element of I was I was very struck just in preparing for this episode that there are so few songwriter divas that we have, and the only other one I can really actually think of is Carol King, uh -huh. and they are both so sincere. They are both like have an overwhelming sincerity, and it's such an interesting thing. It's such a like rock and roll is such a man's world. Mm -hmm. And for to have both of these like huge songwriter divas just come at it with the hugest, most sincere, dare I say, like feminine heart about how they create. Well, I mean, Stevie 
a couple of things. Stevie is an uber feminine energy. All of her songs are about gauzy veils and mountains and and princes and and all of these things of of staircases. She's always coming down a staircase. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's really interesting is is she's always writing songs and songs that she may have written in the 70s may not appear until 2014 for example when songs from the vault came out um she had songs on there from like the late 60s in fact so you have these songs that kind of are snapshots of a mood that then she re-records and and brings out at the precisely the right time that they're needed um, I think of a song like Sorcerer from Trouble in Shangri-La, which hmm. um, Cheryl Crow produced and duets with her on. And the original version of it is uh, by Marilyn Martin. She gave, she wrote it for Marilyn Martin in the late, in the early eighties and she sings back up on it. And it's, and it's a fabulous like early eighties kind of piece of, of singer songwriter goodness. But then what really explodes it is when Stevie write, sings it in, 19, in 2000 when she recorded it. And it's precisely what it needs to be. So the sentiment, she almost is writing it in the time, maybe she was 25 when she wrote the song and then she's interpreting it at you know 60 or 65. And it's this really interesting kind of blend between the two worlds of, she's able to revisit that girl that she was when she wrote it now. Because she's capable of time travel. Correct, because she's mm-hmm. timeless. I'm tired. I'm thirsty. journaled all her life so she doesn't just write music she journals all of her experiences actually i i find this so beautiful she's like i want my nieces someday to pick it up and see my history and Mm, see what i've lived through like and in fact like when she was getting off of clonopin she was like yeah oh my gosh like i've been having i haven't gotten to share everything and i think it's that documentation and that ability to kind of pull back i mean nick and i always say like we are divas bet midler of course and we always want her to release more stuff and stevie mm. is just the gold standard besides barbara streisand barbara streisand um, maybe is also the gold standard of constantly digging up treasures but stevie did yeah. like the, the fleetwood mac to me like the greatest thing is the fleetwood max and the stevie nick albums that get those re-releases with all oh. the goods all oh the yeah honey hundreds. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, hard copy hard copy oh yeah oh cd you have to have the art you have to have the artwork you have to have the artwork um, oh my god 
Okay, take us to take us to yeah. the Where beginning. Where are you from, Mark? Mark? Let's go from? to the origins. Come on. Okay. Where were you born? Off, Who is your mother your shoes. and father? Well, I'm not wearing shoes. Stevie doesn't. Good. I'm not going to wear it. Um, so, well, I I remember exactly where I was when I heard uh, Stevie Nicks for the first time. I was. Um, uh, driving, I was in a preschool pickup in 1983. Um, I went to a preschool uh, called the Blue School, and the woman that drove the car, her name was Sasha, and she was the first person that played the AM/FM radio uh, that I ever heard. Because at home we listened to records. I grew up in uh, Warren, Ohio, which is a small city outside of uh, Akron, Canton, Youngstown area. And um, on that one, one of those rides, I heard Gypsy for the first time. And I think I probably also heard Dreams because it was on the radio. And there was something about Stevie's voice that struck me. kind of layered vocals of the other members of Fleetwood Mac. Um, It kind of was like, it it rode this kind of wave of the harmonies, but then Stevie soaring above all of that. And I just remember her being so, there was just something that changed in me. I was six or seven when that happened. And then, and so I would hear her on because she was she was releasing solo work and stuff with Fleetwood Mac. And then when I turned ten, I got a clock radio. And if you remember clock radios, you could record songs off the radio by pressing two buttons because it had a cassette player in it. So mm. I would play the radio in my bedroom in Warren, Ohio. Now I'm probably ten, eleven right on the, the precipice of, of pubescence. And um, they, uh, Fleetwood Mac released Tango in the Night. And that was kind of the last of their epic uh, statements. Um, and it was, it was mid 80s synthy goodness. And I couldn't believe, I heard Seven Wonders. And Seven Wonders was that voice again that I'd heard from earlier in my childhood coming out of the ether. listening to the radio because if you remember tango in the night had big love which Lindsay sang everywhere which um christine sang seven wonders which stevie sang and then the one of the top five best fleetwood mac songs ever little lies and little lies where all of them are weaving in and out of it tell me, tell me, tell me 
like, how is this all the same band? Because I knew, I only knew like bands with one singer. And so the fact that this band had three different vocalists and three different basically styles just blew my freaking mind. And so that was when I really kind of got, and I was listening to Fleetwood Mac all the time. And then um, like with the band, um, they kind of faded from consciousness and I heard like Stevie's hits like Rooms on Fire and Whole Lot of Trouble and all of the big hits from the late 80s, early 90s. But I was kind of into grunge and I was into alternative music. I was dating a DJ at a radio station. And so I was listening to all kinds of crazy music in my teens and stuff that was like, like lots of punk and stuff like that. And then um, in 1997, I went to England and studied in Europe and I was listening to all kinds of electronica and Portishead and Radiohead and all these kind of uh, Brit pop bands. Meanwhile, in the States, Fleetwood Mac was getting back together to do The Dance, which was their big reunion album in 1987, where Lindsey Buckingham came back to the band after he quit um, after Tango in the Night. And so did Stevie and so did Christine McVie. So they were all back together, all five of those crazy people. And Stevie gave an interview in Spin Magazine. Um, and she was interviewed by Courtney Love. And at that time, um, there really were only, this was pre-internet, pre all of that. And there were really only three sources of music news besides MTV, which were Spin, Rolling Stone, and Alternative Press, which was a magazine out of, out of Cleveland, Ohio. And this interview, so you've got to listen, read this interview because Courtney Love is at her cleanest and she's in Hollywood. She's doing the People versus Larry Flint and all of these things. And she basically... Um, all she wants to do is talk about Stevie's drug use and Lindsay and all the all the stuff with the band. And you can tell in the interview, Stevie's kind of tolerating it because she knows that this is like a big re reboot of her career. And with that one interview, she became kind of a godmother to this new generation of musicians. And mm. that kind of launched her into this next phase. So when I came back from the from Europe, um, in early 1998, she was everywhere and she was doing everything. And she was, you know, Cheryl Crow loved her and Courtney Love loved her and the Dixie Chicks loved her and all Sarah McLaughlin loved her and all the, these people were name dropping her. And, um, and I met a girl in college named Liz Beckham. And Liz Beckham had the green Fleetwood Mac greatest hits. And she started me back on reminding me, oh my God, I love Stevie Nicks. And that kind of started the big chapter of my fandom. And that's kind of how it all started. I know that's really long, but that's kind <laughs> I of, she I kept love coming that. back in and out. She kept coming back in and out. But then once 98 hit and, and she released, she released a box set called Enchanted, which is three discs of Stevie Nicks solo work. And then I was, I was done. And like you said, that's really when, you know, I think that, that people were kind were dismissive of Fleetwood Mac for a while as this totally. kind of light FM band that were corny. And, and then there was this huge revivalism and then a night of a thousand Stevie's started and, and yeah. it just exploded with yeah. like, with this, with all of the imagery and, and all, and that fandom. And then it's just kind of put her in the stratosphere. Like for so many people, she can, she does and, no and wrong. She, 
And she basically has not left that in right. all of these years. I mean, she's no. constantly toured. She's made, since since 98, she's made three solo records. She's put out other greatest hits albums. She's reunited with Fleetwood Mac. She has a movie coming out in a few she weeks. Has, oh, my gosh. She has a concert of 24 Karat Gold coming up, the tour she did in 2000, I think, 16 or 18, one of those years. And, um, and that's going to be pretty great because she does a lot of new stuff. I'm going to go try to see it at the drive-in. Are you going to go? I'm going to try to go to a drive-in. She never does Belladonna. She does Belladonna and Wild Heart, which she never did live. Mm. Oh, my gosh. She never does those. It's insane. And she does. (laughs) All right. She also does Crying in the Night, which is one of the first songs that Buckingham Nicks ever put out. Buckingham Nicks was the band she had with um, Lindsey Buckingham before Fleetwood Mac. And she sings that. Oh, whoa. She, it's okay, crazy. So this is the time where I'm going to start. Okay, Jason knows this, but I'm going to tell you, Mark. I'm very, very nervous about this episode because I have always been one of those people who when everyone starts arguing about Fleetwood Mac, I like hide in the corner and try to disappear. Because I don't have enough information. I oh, don't really okay. like, I don't really like have a dog in the fight, you know? Yeah. And everyone is so into, like, like you said, when everyone became a Stevie Nicks fan in the late 90s, it was very intense for me because I kind of missed the whole ship. And so I just like quietly like enjoy Stevie Nicks, but I'm just very nervous about it all because everyone has lots of information and lots of opinions on the band and it's uh-huh. very And that is not me. I don't hide in the corner. I step right in the center of the room. <laughs> <laughs> And you say Tango in the Night is the best album. Yep, Tango in the Night is the best album. I mean, Tusk, oh, it's so long, it's great, whatever. But Tango in the Night is the best, is the... I mean, because let's get into the Fleetwood Mac of it all, because... Are you ready, Nick? Are you ready? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Okay, I'm just going to hide in the corner with my diet coke. We'll hold you, baby, we'll hold you, because Fleetwood Mac is truly, is my favorite band i mean how could it not be because really? of the super- yes well how could it not be because oh, wow. of the okay. well it's not like i really know bands so it's not that big of a thing i mean like <laughs> but and i forget <laughs> i forget that it is my favorite band a lot but because of the because it is a supernova because and you think you're like why has this not been replicated more because it's almost impossible to replicate Correct. with those yes. three true supernova forces sharing lead on the on all yes. of, on those songs it's like this is the most genius way to go about a band is where like okay you get a Lindsay, then you get a little christine then you get a stevie then you get a whole group song and it's it's well, just it's, it's like a little be, broadway play or something all in one their concerts album. could be three hours long because they could trade off that not one of them was carrying the whole show so like they were able to kind of go back and forth and and if you you, you know if you weren't a big witchy stevie fan you had Lindsay's guitar like cock rock and then you had christine sunny I mean, Christine really, Christine McVie is the unsung hero of, of Fleetwood Mac because her songs really hold the other two. Because they're, Lindsay and Stevie are weird songwriters and she has that kind of middle of the road Brit cool thing going. So she keeps kind of the, the, the sunny view of love while the two of them are raging at each other. And I think that it's that tension that makes it so unique. Um, 
It almost and she seems gives like... the lullaby almost in the middle of the chaos. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. She gives that love song that everyone needs to soften into like yeah. again that bubbling rage that they have. But and I know that we all hate Lindsay Beckingham, or I don't. But like I know that Lindsay Beckingham is in and out, and he's out now. <laughs> he's out. Again. He is out. He's been fired. Yeah. He's been fired. Yeah, yeah he's been um, fired. But I think, but he is. He's he's a Brian Wilson. Do you know what I mean? He. Yeah. His productions are so intricate. And so, I mean, when they were making that album of Tango in the Night, none of them could even be in the room together. They could not stand each other. Like, Stevie was, they were all having to pull. Lindsay was pulling from his solo work. Stevie was pulling from her solo work just to get an album well, out. Well, actually, no. Stevie had no interest in sharing her solo work. She had to, like, uh, she brought in three songs begrudgingly. And Seven Wonders was written by her friend Sandy Stewart. And say, and then she kind of wrote additional lyrics so that she would it would be her song. But really, like I mean, she was only in the studio maybe a week, maybe two weeks total, because she was in rehab and then she was on tour with Rock a Little and and um, and I know that when she was listening to mixes of it, she threw big old diva fits because she wasn't in a lot of the songs. And Christine McVie was basically like, "Well, you weren't here." And, you know, so that creates this big and it's that tension though, uh, that makes heaven it, makes it so juicy and 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 they hate each other, yet they're their best with each other. And well, that's what's so maddening. That's what she's like, I can't look. She's like, I can never leave because this is the greatest thing. But then the other one, which I love, she's like, I only get three songs on an album. That's why I had to go solo because like I got more Stevie. I got so much Stevie in here (laughs) that that my present is just exploding with gifts. So like I need Nick is Nick's kind of hiding. What do you want to say, Nick? What is your favorite Fleetwood Mac song? Like, well, I love, I like Fleetwood. I just think, I think another part of it, the reason that they're so huge is because the straights can really all go to the concert together because the yes. boys like, uh, the boys Lindsay love Chrissy McVie. Yeah. Right. And they just, it just all seems very like I, I, the number of hymns that we're talking about right now in this podcast is making me very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham? He is a yeah. snack. Yeah. I'll talk about him till he is a snack. Yeah. But can I tell you my idea for uh, the Stevie Nicks biopic, even though I know she's writing one? Okay. Um, I her read so I've done a lot of research for this episode, but I read about the whole story of her best friend dying of leukemia right after Belladonna came out. Yeah, and that yes. so her all of you who don't know who are like me who secretly just read the Wikipedia for the first time <laughs> when Belladonna came out, her best friend died of leukemia, and to comfort <laughs> her, her best friend Robin, her name was Robin, Robin, Robin. Yes. and when Robin and Stevie went to comfort Robin's husband and then married him Kim Kim Anderson yeah yes and uh uh she was because Robin wanted Stevie to raise her daughter right her son her son her son okay thank you I'm getting back on track but that three months that three months would be an amazing snapshot just that you know sometimes sometimes the biopic just zooms in on one moment that's my pitch for the biopic Stevie so at the end of the movie she basically says to Kim I'm leaving you we're not we're getting divorced and I'm gonna go on tour and gets in a limo and drives away (laughs) yes that'd be a great ending but you know I mean because I love this because like I would have no idea listening to the song but that but then she wrote for Robin Nightbird 
And it's so funny because like you listen to it and it is that I was just quoting that about um, I was not ready for the fall. I wear boots all summer long. get that but then when she describes that song she's like i wrote that for robin and i hope that someday someone's listening to that and they will be a scientist and cure leukemia and, <laughs> and you're just like yep that's about right that's at 100 percent about what no one will get from that song stevie nicks and i'm so happy that that's what you I think, think i think we do. should mail all scientists a copy of wild heart so that they can listen to nightbird <laughs> and and start and working on that cure wait mark what is oh your mark God. what is your favorite so get, get to me with the fleetwood mac of it all what oh what, what's god well the fleetwood mac my favorite i mean i'll always love tango in the night because of its of my nostalgia factor i think stevie's songs on tusk are her best i think the five songs stevie has on tusk are storms. her five best songs storms storms sarah which goes on and on and magical angel beautiful child and which i think the one that i think is is really one that clinches and is so good for halloween which is sisters of the Moon. Sisters mm-hmm. of the fucking mm-hmm. man. Yes. And it is it is druggy, it is electric. Uh Lindsay tries to take it over and Stevie's like, no, 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 honey. <laughs> People who don't know she's so such a feminist, there's this lost third verse. And if you listen to like the live versions of it, she sings it. And it's all about, you know, bringing in the sisters and the brothers of the moon so that like the women, you know, there's there's a real feminist leaning. And I don't know why they cut it for the record, but they did. So we make our choices, but darling, there never was any choice.
the best. Those are the best five songs she wrote. She Storms is one of my cry cues. Oh, yeah. It's the one. It's yeah. one of the most. I I uh, in Brook. I, when I was living in Brooklyn, my friend turned thirty, and I mean Stevie Nicks played such a background to my twenties. Um, mm-hmm. There was such a revival with all of my friends. Like we would play her at the clubs. You know, stand back yeah. was something we would all dance to. And I remember Storms coming on, and he it was his birthday, and he was turning thirty, and there was just this sense of loss. Like I just remember mm-hmm. like kind of seen all of us and we had all kind of gone get, getting out of that wild phase and we just started holding each other and dancing to storms in the backyard of uh, of for his birthday party my friend eric hey eric so i try to say goodbye my friend i'd like to leave you with something more but never But that song is that beautiful. Do you know what I mean? The the kind of realizing that you also are part of the chaos. You know. Well, I she I wrote that about um about Mick, right? Yeah, when she had the affair. Uh, yeah, right? I mean, I I yeah. Well, Mick Fleetwood. She and Mick Fleetwood had an affair that almost broke up the band. Really. During. In Australia, right? Yeah, yeah. They were the last two sitting at a party. You're doing great, Mick. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> you're doing great. And um, but but I I think that that one of the things that Storms always taps into is that idea of leading an unconventional life. And and you know a lot of people aren't good at relationships, and a lot of people aren't good at um, not being turbulent. And Stevie Stevie's one of those people. I I just I don't see, and I feel that way. I mean I I'm not an easy person. Uh, to be in love with, and um, and I always had a, a, a there was always a moment in all of my relationships where um, my partner would draw a line in the sand, and I either had to cross it or I wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna continue, and there was something about I couldn't you know I couldn't do it, and um, and I always took a lot of solace in Stevie because that song. I have always been a storm. I mean, that would be, that's probably like the mantra of my life is that, you know, it, 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 I, I tend to always push against stuff and that's been the way it's always been. Ooh, shivers, um, shivers. It's true. It's true. And, 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 um, but at the same time, I've also had the tremendous love and felt the love that she has for, for Lindsay, for, you know, Joe Walsh, who she was with, for the unborn, you know, children that she didn't have, for, for Matthew, for Robin. Like, I feel like that that, that that can be enough. You don't need to have this traditional life that I think a lot of women of her generation were told they needed to be. And for her, I think it was quite a, 
a, a, a breakout, like I'm, I'm not going to do what everyone says I'm going to do. And, and even her parents said, you know, you're, uh, I hope you never get married, Stevie, because you would never be good at being told what to do or, or mm. have a job that required somebody else to be your boss. Like you wouldn't be good at that. And, and um, I identify a lot with that. I also think what makes what I, you know, what we all should strive to live for is that she said, I've, I've never written a, um, a, she hasn't written a biography. And she says, yeah. and she says, but, but I don't, I'm not going to, if I do, I'm not going to write about, I'm not going to, it's not going to be tragic because I've had mm. too many good things in my life to share. And I think about that and how that to me is that she celebrates even the, those moments. So even with storms, she's singing with the longing of it. She's singing, I am this craziness, but there's a longing. There's a passion there for it. She truly has a passion mm. for these moments. And that's what makes those songs so indelible, so landing. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the arrangements aren't sad or dire. There's right. a, the, I mean, storms has a chug to it that just, it pushes it along and, and, and the, particularly John McVie's bass is just so beautiful as, as it kind of goes along. And um, the, the product, and, and you know, that's why, I mean, we keep bringing up Lindsay, but he really is, particularly for the Fleetwood Mac work, such, an, such a, he takes her songs and turns them into these things that, that really make them these gold, beautiful things. I mean, you know, Sarah and Gypsy, alone and dreams i mean dreams is just a stunning piece of production people are obsessed with sarah she's obsessed with sarah i mean i feel like sarah you know she says like sarah is my most talked about song i don't agree with that i don't agree with you steve yeah but for but but stevie says i don't yeah (laughs) do you know she's always talking about sarah she's always talking about the mystique of sarah what sarah is about she's like it's not of her and i love that stevie's like my songs are never about one specific thing they're about moments they're about and they shift and like and that song is so long My, this is about. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's about drowning in love, sweetie. Um, Listen, I can't even. I'm terrible at even knowing the names of Stevie's songs because, like, the Edge of Seventeen. I just, I always called it White Wing Dove. <laughs> like all, I, I'll call all the songs by the wrong name. I'm they sorry. all could be called kind of White Wing Dove, though. All of the songs could be called White Wing Dove. <laughs> She's my White Wing Dove. She really is. She really is. Oh. Oh no! Um, you know what song I'm obsessed with though is Mabel Normand. Oh my God! Okay, so I'm running <laughs> all over New York trying to stay sane during the pandemic. 
all I'm listening to is Mabel Norman. Sad Mabel Norman. It is yes. so freaking good. That's uh, the Nick, song why do I you want. Love it? Why? Tell I me. Just, I just, I love, I love a ballad. I love a ballad about a strange woman. I love, <laughs> you know, like it's the song I really want Bet to cover of Stevie's. Mm. Bet's never covered a Stevie song. I think if she did, it would be Mabel Norman because you oh, know she oh loves the God. like the Delta Dawn of it all, the Surabai Johnny of it all, like the kind of weird story song. I love that. Natural and her beauty. I guess you could say she's just an unapproachable comedian Having much faith in her talent She did a work, no comedian Has not been the clown She did a work, but her heart was quietly crying I guess she even felt guilty I would love Bette Midler just to cover Mabel Norman. That well, they're be, very good friends. Yeah. She well, and they, Stevie. they do benefits together. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they've done a bunch of like ALS <laughs> benefits. and then, No, seriously, like in the, in the like late 80s and early 90s. Though there's a segment on Kathy Griffin's D-list where she visits Bette Midler um, at her Las Vegas show. And they call yeah. Stevie Nicks up. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's sitting at home. She's yeah. sitting at home. Yeah, with the I top just hat also on. Remember she literally is like, that. picks up the phone in her full top hat. It's like, yep, that's it. It made me feel like, Hello. it made me feel like Bet was so cool for being able to call Stevie Nicks. Like, that's even the mystique of Stevie Nicks. I was like, oh my right. gosh, it makes me feel so happy for Bet that she's so I, cool exactly. that she calls Stevie. Stevie's you know? so cool. It's like, if you know Stevie, you're cool. Exactly. Well, exactly. It's interesting because, like, like I feel like the Rose. She looks more like Stevie Nicks in the early '80s than she does like a Janis Joplin. Mm. Yeah. That firm hair looks very Stevie. And oh God, very, Stevie well, and could Stevie's, kill the Rose. Stevie could. She she has a cover of it. Have you seen it? Have you heard her cover? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She inducted oh. Bet into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, which oh, is yes, odd because Bet okay, is not a songwriter. I didn't know that. Yeah, tell me, Nick, about that. They they inducted Bet as a song interpreter, which I think is pretty uh-huh. cool. But Stevie sings the Rose at the ceremony, and it's yeah. very beautiful. Oh, 
It's right? very, well, very her beautiful. Her covers are really, I mean, the third disc of Enchanted is um, <laughs> all rare. The third disc of Enchanted is all these rarities and all this weird stuff that were on soundtracks and stuff. And um, there's a bunch of covers. There's a gorgeous cover of a Warren Zevin song called Reconsider Me that's beautiful. And she sings a cover of Free Fallen that's on the, I think it's love on the Party of Five. Love this so much. It was on the Party of Five. It was on the Party of Five. And it's amazing. And amazing. I want to glide down over Mulholland. I want to write your name in the sky. I want to free fall out into nothing. I want to leave this world for a while. Free falling, yes, I'm free falling. Free falling, I'm a free falling. Free falling, now I'm free falling. When you hear her versions of songs, it's it's so cool. The number one song I want her to cover, Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff the Magic Dragon. Let's cut that. Don't do my interpretation of Stevie Nicks. When, when, what era of, of Stevie Nicks? Like when do you want her to cover it? Like I want her to do it right now, you tomorrow. Like, you I want her to do, do it over like, Zoom. Kalanapin Stevie. Yeah, you want to do Street Angel Kalanapin Stevie. I didn't even know one could get addicted to Kalanapin. It's making me very. She did for almost a decade. Yeah, yeah. It's a dark thing. So, so, so she got up cocaine in 1986. She went to the Betty Ford Clinic and she wrote "Welcome to the Room, Sarah" about that. And then um, she got on Kalanapin because she had a psychologist who who got her hooked on it and she was on that I think till 95 and then she went to rehab again for that and then since then she's been off of it but she made two she made three records during that time on the clonopin is that is that when well is that when uh, trouble in shangri-la is no no no, no, no. this was 90s yeah trouble in shangri-la is probably my I mean Belladonna (gasps) is like the gold standard Belladonna I love can we take? Can we drop some Belladonna? I love Trouble please? in Shangri La. Okay, but let's drop some Belladonna first, and then we'll do the Trouble. But okay, right. Belladonna. This, I, I, if I was, if I was Lindsay Buckingham, I would be shitting a brick, thinking I would be like, I hope this album, because you know, like, she's stepping yeah. out. I'm like, okay, well, she can't do this without me, and then she just does it so hard. Well, well, they all did. So after Tusk, they all signed solo deals. So Lindsay, Christine, and Stevie all had three had solo records out. And Lindsay's was called Lindsay Buckingham, or um, it was like they're called Lindsay Buckingham or Go Insane. And Christine's was called Christine McVie. And Stevie <laughs> did Belladonna. And um, and you're right. I mean, Belladonna's huge and it's amazing. And a lot of the songs on it are old and they were songs that she was like, you know, I want these songs recorded. 
And um, it probably has uh, outside the rain is probably one of my outside the rain and how still my love are the two that I just cream. Over. How still my love had another title um, in the soul of the night, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, that's my sexy song. She's like, if you really want to have so sexy, so sexy, it's so sexy. It's so sexy. Mm. Oh my I love Belladonna. So amazing. I love what she does with Belladonna. It's, 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 um, and then at that end, you know, at the end of, of, of that song where she just has the repeat. women uh one was called one her name is Lori perry she became Lori nick she was married she married her bro, stevie's brother christopher and then sharon solani is the other singer and then there were a couple of others that would come in and out over the years but the two of them were on belladonna with her and they're her like girl group and they've literally been on almost every song that she's written and done as a solo artist since 1981 and they're and I think they own like points on everything. They're like really, and she, and she didn't want to sing alone. I mean, I think that that's the thing that's really interesting about Belladonna because if you look at Belladonna, um, Don Henley's on it. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are on two songs. Um, there's all these guests on it because I don't think she really felt confident just being a solo artist. It was like a team effort. And she, she has loves to band. collaborate. Loves. loves. To that's like bring it back to Trouble in Shangri La. That's right because that's later because that's with like Macy Gray and Cheryl Crow and all and yes. Sarah McLaughlin and all those yeah. ladies. Which it's leads me. It's basically the Lilith Fair soundtrack without her having to go to the Lilith Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think you know Belladonna was like. It also, there's this rock and band behind her the whole time. And I think that that's really what is so mystical about it. It's such a great record. It's so And, and it's lean and mean. It's lean and mean. Well, it's so interesting, Joyce, is she composes everything on piano. Like, she doesn't know how to compose on rock guitar. No. And she doesn't read music at all. And so she had, and like, I remember I was listening to this thing about, um, because uh, Tom Petty wrote the song on her album, and then she went over and gave Intruder to his album. Insider. Right? Insider. Yes. Yeah. So, Insider. So, so she, he wrote, so, so they had like nine or ten songs. There were a couple of other songs that were dropped off Belladonna, and they didn't have a hit, a single. And Tom Petty wrote Stop Dragging My Heart Around. I love that song. For, for the record. Slaps. And gave it to her to see, yeah.
radio hit off of Belladonna. And that's uh, the song that, like, Lindsay obviously, like, lost his mind over because it was such a big hit. When she says that he kind of coached her how to sing on rock, on the rock version yeah. of it. And so she then gave him this kind of more romantic or kind of a more ballad. Gorgeous. She was yeah. like, you need a ballad. I need a rock song. She actually really, she is, she, in that time period, Kenny Loggins, she was down to do yeah. a hot duet well, and, with a hot rock and she And she's a thrilling vocal, like harmony vocalist. They she love her. just jump in. Mm-hmm. It's, it, there's a song called Gold she does with Jon Stewart. There's there's Whenever I Call You Friend with Kenny Loggins. I there's love that all song. these songs where she's just like effortlessly you know the the harmonies on stop dragging my heart around are ridiculous that she does just effortlessly it's crazy and insider's beautiful it's on um tom petty's hard promises Mm -hmm. which is a great rock record didn't she have four hits from belladonna well she had i mean she she had leather and lace she had after the glitter fades she had um, Edge, Edge of 17. 17 and she had um, Stop Dragging My Heart Around but Stop right. Dragging My Heart Around was like the the rocket of the huge record. one yeah. Leather and Lace she yeah. like this is so funny it's one of my funniest songs um, she and she wrote that for uh, Wayne Jennings she wrote that for a country song Waylon Jennings Waylon Jennings Jesse they were getting married and they right. asked her to write a song and then she wrote that song and they were like, this isn't really a love song. No, they broke up. They broke up. They broke yeah. up. So they were like, oh, I don't know if we want to like be given leather and lace to each other right now. And so she's like, who do I have to call in? I need a powerhouse. And it was actually who someone she was sleeping with. So Don Henley. Don Henley. Love us forever. And then she had to cut it short because Mirage, uh, Fleetwood Mac was doing Mirage. And My least favorite album. Wild. Oh yeah, it's it's. Uh, and Stevie doesn't seem like she cares other than Gypsy. She doesn't so, care. She doesn't. They they're they're, they're the gas is gone with that band. You can tell. But stand they're. back. I mean, let's talk about stand back. I mean, just when you think. I mean, it's incredible. It's an incredible song. Sandback was such a current dance hit. I think like it took Stevie into a different realm for me than. Oh, well, she was in the clubs finally. Cause yeah. she was, none of her songs up to that point were club songs. And, um, and, and also, you know, Prince obviously is on the song playing keyboard. He came into the studio one night. She, he was in town and she was like, Hey, come over. And he came over and plays on it. And so the keyboards in it are, are Prince. And, um, I, I don't know. There, what, what, what's so great about Wild Heart is she's experimenting with all different kinds of, of stuff going on right then. It's, it's probably her most eclectic sounding album. And it's still, I mean, you know, she put out a Greatest Hits in 2007 called Crystal Visions, and they did more remixes of Stand Back. I know. She... Like crazy. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yep, you could always. I, can... I, um, I dated this guy for like a month in New York, mm-hmm. and... He called me to, to like meet up at, a, at at some gay bar in the East Village, and I was like, "Oh, okay, like this is like one of our normal places, normal haunts that we meet up for." And uh, he was a little bit older than me, um, and I 
I, I remember like we were getting a drink and he's like, hey, I just really wanted to get you face to face because I've fallen in love with someone. And uh, I, I, I was like, oh, honey. I was like, honey, like uh, we've only been seeing each other for a month. Like this could have, you know, this could have been a phone call. But like, thank you for paying for this drink. And I was like, I, I wish you well. Like, I, you know, like absolutely. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm sending you off into the into love. And I, I got up and stand back, started playing. No one And I just See, walked. She's there when you need her. I started she's walking, wow. shimmying backwards out the door and putting my <laughs> hand up. I was like, wow, this, and my heart just burst. And I mean, really like that was the, uh, that was, that was me and my girlfriend's dance hit when we would be going out yeah. to the clubs with stand back. I mean, it was like a declaration of ownership in a way of like, just like literally tell and like literally telling all of your ex lovers, like get away. Like, like I'm here and it's, it's so, it's an anthem. for the feet for for the love like she's not she you know she's not longing she's not for feeling it. it's, there's no apologies right. or no she, you know i feel i need a little sympathy is like you know she needs understanding but she's not she's not regretting it and i think it's it's very powerful it's a very powerful song and she continue i mean she just did it at the rock when she she opened the rock and roll hall of fame show for herself in the at the at barclays last year singing it and it was incredible. incredible. Well, she's still doing it. The one good thing, our the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a personal nemesis of this podcast. And uh, but at least at least Stevie Nicks has been inducted twice. Well, and she's the only person. So there's not I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like it, it's like 
that the stupidest, most chauvinist well, institution on the planet. It's like that recipe that your grandma made and she continues to make it, but you no longer need it. And it's old and it's dusty. And I mean, yeah. that's the Rock and Roll of Fame doesn't really mean. I mean, what does it really mean? Really? Do you know what I, I mean? I don't know, but I still hate it. And I still encourage all of our battle angels to burn it to the ground. At least in I your mean, minds, don't really commit arson, please, guys. I mean, jo- Joni Mitchell wasn't inducted until like 10 years in or something. I mean, it's like stupid stuff like that. And I mean, I think Aretha Franklin was the only woman in at the time that Joni Mitchell got it. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know what I realized, Nick? We, Nick and I used to live near, didn't we live near the Football Hall of Fame? Uh, Didn't we live there? Yeah. I think that was in Indiana. Yeah, in Michigan. There was one a football in Hall of Fame in Indiana. Yeah. So every time we say the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I just think about going to the Football Hall of Fame and being like, I'm bored. And so that's like my image. It's like going into <laughs> going into a building. Yeah, and being but we like, like rock and roll. Boring. We don't like football. Yeah, yeah, well, just what I feel. <laughs> or what I imagine going into the Rock and Roll well, Hall of Fame. That's why we built the Diva Hall of Fame here. That's why we built the Diva Hall of Fame. Built yes. the Diva Hall yes. of fame. Yes. When have you seen her live, Mark? I saw her. Um, I saw her on uh, two Fleetwood Mac tours. I saw the uh, 2006 tour, um, which was not great. You could tell that they were all tired, and and but she did "Beautiful Child" that night, and I was really blown away by that. And then I saw her when Christine McVie came back um, to the band, and mm. I took an edible and went um, mm. because. Well, actually, Good no, choice. I didn't. I took a Vicodin because I I broken my collarbone. Like yeah, I mean, I'd broken my collarbone riding my bike, and um, I took a Vicodin and went to the show, and um, because I was in pain, it was fabulous. It was great, and um, then I saw the Twenty Four Karat Gold concert this last wow. Where did you see that? At the Garden, Mm. all three at the Garden, all at the Garden, yeah. She doesn't play. She she only plays the big ones, babes. Um, yeah. She was incredible. She was incredible. And Chrissy Mc, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders, the Pretenders opened for her, and she came out to do um, "Stop Dragging My Heart Around." And she was oh fabulous. fabulous. Yeah, they were great. They were. Great. Oh, I can't wait like, to see that fucking movie. It's, it's so good. She's so great. Um, and she's great live. She's amazing live, and she. And, and she has that fan base of, like, you don't realize until you see someone like her, you see someone like Cher, where it's all kinds of people from all over. I mean, truck drivers are there and, like, you know, gay kids and, you know, married couples and, you know, old people, young people, people of color, white people. Everybody's there together celebrating all those different eras. It's, it's kind of remarkable. When, and you only get that when you go to the shows. I was wondering what, yeah, what is that community? Can you talk more about the fan community? Do you communicate at all with other fans or do you have other fan friends? Um, oh God. Well, I'm not much of a joiner with groups, but um, I have been to the Night of a Thousand Stevies probably, I think I've gone six times since I've lived in New York. Um, and um, that's a crazy group of, uh, they're like a, like a hip Renaissance fair vibe, <laughs> queer, everyone's in corsets and capes and, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a really queer, there's a vaguely, um, S&M vibe to some of it. A lot of the guys are in leather and, um, it's, it's, it's a great group. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, 
I love going to the Night of a Thousand Stevies primarily because you can actually dance to like Fleetwood Mac songs and who doesn't want to like dance to all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, her fan, her fans are devoted and there's chat rooms and things like that, but I don't really uh, get online with that stuff. Plug, I performed at two of the Night of a Thousand Stevies in New York. You did? I just was a dance. I was like a dance. I was like a dancer in one of them. Actually, I think to um to uh to Wild Heart. I think I, I oh. danced to someone's you, Wild would Heart. You, what was the theme that you're you? Do you remember what the theme was? Because no. every year it's a different theme. No idea. This was years ago. No idea. Okay. Um, and then I was. I think I was the mayor of Munchkinland in a Dorothy themed one. Uh, <laughs> one well, of the times no, oh you know what i do want to plug is the how, I, you know what i think is like the one of the biggest fan things is that wild heart is when she's sitting getting her hair done i think like yes if yeah. that was the thing that sealed mine and so many of my friends like that was the thing that we all passed around like okay if you really want to cement just watch this because it is true what is it tell us what it is magic yeah. Go ahead. Mark. What is it? Uh, it, it? It's so um, there's a bootleg video of her backstage being made up for a concert and she's singing along to a piano track of Wild Heart. And she sings basically what's an acoustic version of her song of the Wild Heart, which is this crazy six minute anthem to being wild and free and in love. And it's incredible. It's an incredible song. And she sings it and it's so beautiful. And she's so um unadorned and young and just the vocals are like sweet and beautiful And it's just her. And usually, like I said, like she has her girls with her, uh, uh, you know, harmonizing. And it's just her singing along to this. And it's like the purest essence of her early self is in this track. And she sounds so great. And it's just so soothing. It's almost like, I mean, it's it's the song, but it's, it's almost like a lullaby in this weird way to, to love. And she's just so girlish. And Do you want to tell so us about beautiful. your favorite album? So I was I was surprised that you were going to pull this rabbit out of the hat, but lead us. <laughs> well, it's I Nick. Nick, you love this album too. I love it too. I love Candle Bright. Ah, oh, yeah. Oh, Candle. The I whole mean, album Trouble slaps, though. 
Well, so, so Trouble, Trouble in Shangri-La came out in 2000, and I think it's my favorite because it was the first one that came out after I kind of was in the bell jar of fandom. You know, mm. you, you, when, you, when you click with your diva, you do, you do a lot of backtracking and you have to go backwards and, and pick all of the stuff up. So you're not there during the release and you're mm-hmm. not there during the ride. It's not on the radio. So you're like, you're listening to rock a little and you're like, why was this big, you know, it's this crazy record about, you know, dance music and stuff. And she's it. But Trouble in Shangri-La was the first record that came out while I was a mega fan. And, um, and it's, it's 13 songs and some of them are old, like Candle Bright and Sorcerer and Planets of the Universe was from 1979. And, um, and it's just an eclectic, she sat, first of all, her voice, because so good on this record. Kalana Mm -hmm. was gone. She was taking vocal lessons. She's back. Taking care of herself. She was recharged and in charge. And um, there's something very like cool. Cheryl Crow is a great producer, and she record she produces five tracks on the record. And there's just something really like assertive, and you can tell Stevie is back and is and is caring about it. She took a long time to make it, like two, like seven or eight years. So it's it it has all these these different and there's these songs like I Miss You where Lindsay Buckingham is playing guitar on and she sings about having so many questions about fame. It's like the beginning of this new chapter in Stevie where she's like, yeah, I'm a rich rock star, but I'm also a woman looking for love. And I love that. <laughs> also, also, my girl Natalie Maines is on this. Natalie Maines is on it. Macy Gray is on it. Sarah oh, McLaughlin My girl is on Macy it. Gray. I never Cheryl talk Crow about my... is on it. It's I a very love fe- it. It's a very female-driven dri- record for her. Um, she's making up for women. Missing Lilith Fair. Correct. And it's yes. everybody that was at Lilith Fair except the Indigo Girls, basically. And what's up with this last release? The Stand Back album that just that came out last? Oh, that's trash. Okay, I don't no, understand no, no, no. what's happening it. with this. And But I will say, you, I think you put this on one of your lists. <laughs> I have like a strange affinity a to Crash list. Into that You. That list was long. Oh, Crash Into You. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So- <laughs> she did that in 2008, right? So she, so basically, okay. So after, um, after Trouble in Shangri-La came out, and it was a big hit. Never, you know, there was a, every day was a big hit. Planets of the Universe was a club hit. Um, basically, her produ- her her management was saying nobody's buying albums because um, at that time Napster had arrived and people were stealing mm-hmm. records. So everybody was, so she stopped making music basically, and she all she did for like eight or nine years was tour. 
And she toured with the same set for like five years. And it was Fuck. really brutal for the fans. It was real, like every show opened with Outside the Rain into Dreams and da 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 da. da. It was a, a dull, dull time musically. But she put out this album called, she, I think she was in Chicago and it was live in Chicago. And she does three covers it, to augment her same set list she'd been doing. And one of them was Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews. And it's great. And it, and it's She sounds weird. wonderful on it. Like she yeah. owns the song. She re she reclaims the song from a feminist point of view, and totally, I think totally. beast uh, absolutely beasts the version of it of the original version. I I, I think it's heaven. You got your ball. You got your chain. back album is it's like what am i there's like normal songs and then there's all of these added it's just like a weird compilation stand back came out stand back is a is not i don't think she knows much about i don't think she she did not do that it's basically they compiled everything they could get their hands on when she got into the rock and roll hall of fame so it was a product to put out yeah kind of like a best something to sell something to sell in the lobby Exactly. It's no. It's no enchanted. Enchanted is like her writing notes and putting everything in it. I mean, it's nuts how how um, intentional it is. And that's just throwing shit onto onto three discs and making you buy it. It's not giving you anything new. I. I mean, no. back to the crash into crash into yes. me of it all. It's the same way I feel about Free Fallen. Like those are songs I've always like liked, like like the lyrics or the melody of, and just like hated the hymns who sung them, mm-hmm. and kind of hated how much I love those songs. And now that I have the Stevie versions, which I just found out about from your email yeah. and your list of stuff, I now have I can put those on so many mixes and listen to them all the time. And she reclaimed those songs for me. It's limitless, well, baby. Like- You're limitless. You took a pill, and now you are <laughs> limitless with Stevie Nicks. I took my Klana pins and now I'm just free falling with, with my Stevie. Oh my God. But yeah, I mean, the, the 2000s were a lot about that. She put out lots, of, she did lots of, I mean, she does a song called Circle Dance, which is a Bonnie Raitt song. Um, she uh-huh. sings with Vanessa Carlson a lot, Carlton a lot. Um, she, it, there's a song on the new record called, I think it's called Carousel. Um, that that's a Vanessa Carlton record uh, song, and it's she she's just really good at interpreting songs. And what I love about Crashing to Me is you hear the song in a completely new way, and you hear the lyrics in a way that I don't think I think t- years of hearing it on the radio it kind of goes into autopilot and it becomes background music. 
And she yeah. kind of brings it back into free falling was that way too. I mean, I never heard some of the lyrics on free falling until I heard no, Stevie's version. Exactly. Though speaking of Bonnie Raitt, that is a duet that I would love to have. That's a tour I would like. Uh, a Bonnie Raitt, well, Stevie Nicks tour. When Lindsay, when Linda Ronstant was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she and Bonnie Raitt sing yes. It's So Easy together with a, mm. a whole group of women. So they're on yes. stage together, but they're Ugh. not, they, they don't duet one by, oh, that would be a show. I love that. If you could mm. pick, so who? So Nick has Nick has written the the three month time where her best friend dies. She tries to be a mom and a wife, and then leaves both that child and that in husband a in a limo. Well, she she, she, she meets does, back she up. She does with him pay in for his college yeah. tuition. She does pay his way. <laughs> Which she'll let everyone so. know. She's like, I yeah. I got him through college. I was like, well, I bet you could get like a hundred <laughs> people through college TV. But that's good that you did it with. The but child job, of your best sweetie. friend. Um, but so, but uh, but who would who who would play her? What's your fantasy casting on that? Oh God, no. Um, oh man, I don't know who could. I I would love I would love to find somebody unknown. Like like I mean, not to pander to YouTube, but like I'd love to find a Bette Midler who's never done a film before, and mm. and discover because I don't think I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want. I don't want secretly. I don't want a a, a, a biopic. Bio no, I don't. I don't you want don't, a biopic. Even if it's Renee Zellweger, especially if it's Renee Zellweger, especially. <laughs> no, we love Renee I'm, Zellweger. I love. I'm a. I'm a Renee Stan, but I'm actually into this um, idea. I'm. I can see yeah. you do everything now. <laughs> She's the new Scarlett she could Johansson. Play McVie. <laughs> oh. She could be Chrissy McVie. Oh, well, I don't Lindsay want Buckingham. to play. She's going to be all of them. <laughs> well, Harry Styles would play Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, Renee no. Zellweger could be Christine McVie. And um, I like know, this I intergenerational think. aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's timeless. You don't have an age. So well, I think it should be like it should be like the Bob Dylan movie, and she should be played by like a fifteen different people. Oh, yeah. You know, like Especially Ben Wishaw should play bird. her and Judy Dench should play her. <laughs> Judy Dench should definitely play. Michaela I, Cole I, could play her at one point. Michael, oh my God. That, that would be, be good. Do you remember that Kate movie? Kate Blanchett naturally oh would get to play uh, oh Lindsay gosh. Buckingham. Yeah. Guys, what was that movie? Gypsy <laughs> 88? And Kate Blanchett as Lindsay Buckingham. That would be the villain. Mark, do you remember that movie Gypsy 88? Was it called Gypsy 88 with Sarah Rue? Yeah, so Gypsy 83. So we should talk about Todd Stevens. So Todd Stevens is a mega uh, uh, Stevie Nicks fan and um, directed two movies. He uh, made a movie called Edge of 17, which is a coming-of-age story about his life in Sandusky, Ohio, where he's Love. working at Cedar Point. Yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. It's back on um, uh, Netflix right now. And um, and then he made a second movie called Gypsy 83, starring Sarah Rue. And, um, and it's From about popular. her gay best... Oh, amazing. And she's so good in it. And so she plays this Stevie Nicks-loving uh, fan, and she and her gay best friend... Um, hitchhike their way across the across Pennsylvania to go to Night of a Thousand mm -hmm. Stevies, and it's oh. a great movie. The one thing, because Stevie, the, one of the rules about Stevie is she always gets paid, and um, they wouldn't lease any of the songs to her. So the only song they could use was "Talk to Me" from uh, Rock a Little because. Um, 
it's one of the only songs she's recorded that she hasn't written. And so they could get the rights to it because it wasn't her song. We're but reviewing her- all of this music, Stevie. This is called Fair Use, honey. Do not yes, sue this 30 podcast. 30 seconds, baby. 30 seconds. <laughs> but she, and I love, I mean, it, it, he's he's a wonderful uh, um, filmmaker. And those movies were really amazing to see. And, um, and it kind of showed me when I saw them originally, oh, there are other kids like me out there that are, are making, that are obsessed with Stevie like this. Mm. And, um, speaking of that child, lady. speaking of that child, yes. let's, let's ask you our last question. Okay. You, uh, you have a white winged dove. Who's also a messenger dove and you're able to give a message to Stevie Nicks. Yes. What do you tell her? Okay. Um, and I, I'm not a big fan of meeting your idols because, um, yeah, they, ne- they never, um, the one, yeah, they, they never, they, um, can't. they never meet your expectations ever. How could Carol they? Burnett is, Carol Burnett is really like who she is. But I think I would think, uh, what I would say, okay, hey Stevie, it's Mark. I want to thank you for all the songs. I know you wrote them for all of us, but we thank you for sharing you with us. And please, please finally re-release Buckingham Nicks on CD and vinyl <laughs> and forgive Lindsay. Love you, Mark. <laughs> Always hungry for more. The fan asks for more. And, and liner letter. notes. And just to let you know, you released pretty much everything in your closet, but this on hard copy. Yeah. Hard and, copy. And, and that's the thing. Like everyone's like, do you think, do you think it's over and everything? And all I'm going to say about the Lindsay Stevie nonsense is so Lindsay Buckingham quit Fleetwood Mac. She punched him in a, and they attacked each other in a parking lot after he did this. And then a year later, she was bringing him on stage at the last show of the Tango and the Night album uh, tour, begging him to re- make music with her again. So I don't think it's over. I don't think it's over. I, I mean, it's her greatest musical love. It's her great. And she, as much as all the drama is, she knows that he has given her, he's been such an instru- instrumental part of her career. She's, she's able yeah. to like, to really acknowledge and honor that. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a diva too. There's a lot of divas in that band. I don't oh, think it was just Stevie that was like, hey, well, and and we, we didn't get to talk about like the behind the music uh, episodes of Stevie and and Fleetwood Mac because the drama, um, you know, yeah. Well, Fleetwood. So behind the music was that show on VH1 in oh, the yeah. '90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s where they got bands back together to talk about their lives. And you know, you'd watch the show, and you—it's obviously a lot of padding. I mean, the Bangles, yes, it was a troublesome time, but nobody is like Fleetwood Mac. Their episode is like the <laughs> golden chalice of that show because. They're like, I fucking hate her. I fucking hate him. But we're still going to make music together. And I, I just feel like that there's still so much more. And I also think that she's very conscious of legacy. And um, like Judy Garland, like she she knows the legend is what's going to last. And so she's very much about burnishing the legend. I mean, mm. it's like, it's truly, they are truly the quintessential drugs, rock and roll, sex. 
And but then but the thing that, that with all of that that makes it is they just they produced such excellent music. So it's like and lots and made lots of money and made lots lo- of money. and still are making lots of money. Stevie, I hope you still make, making lots of money. I hope you make yeah. all that money. I hope you give. I hope you you know. I know you sold your house in Arizona for all your charity work to leukemia. I hope you find that new great white wing dove house. <laughs> hope you find um, that cure to leukemia, babe. I hope everyone listening makes us a lot of money by going and rating and reviewing this podcast and subscribing and downloading and writing us some iconic reviews right now so we can make as much money as Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood. Uh, rate, like, and review. What like song should What song should we go out on? I, you know what I would love to, to go out on is a song um, that's on uh, the Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack from 1983, yes. and it's Whoa. called Sleeping Angel, and it's just heaven. I think I want it as the casket's going down when I'm, di- when I'm dead. You oh, heard it here for the girls. That. You, you heard, heard it here first. Heard Let's all plan Mark's girls. funeral, babe. Let's honor these wishes. Let's honor these wishes. We love you, <laughs> Battle you Angels. Thanks so. for Thank coming you, on. Stay, meet us uh, over at the Stevie. Patreon to talk to Mark about his great podcast. All I want to do is talk about Madonna. Go over and uh, subscribe to that and listen to that podcast. We love you, Battle Angels. Over and out. Name. Everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.